You know, car etiquette dictates the passenger never messes with their driver's radio. My eyes slide to the side in time to catch Sam rolling hers. Well, road trip etiquette dictates there be music or conversation, and seeing as we are lacking in the latter, I settled for the former. With a huff, Sam readjusts herself for the thousandth time, her eyes scanning the rolling expanse as it was his by. The drive out to the country is a far cry from the adventure Sam was intent to find by joining me. Being trapped in my old Buick for three hours is going to test my patience, and possibly try my baser hungers. Static begins to encroach on Sam's music choice, and I reach for the dial, flipping it off. Hey! Look, I'd rather listen to Silence than Static Country. We're almost there anyway. The air swells between our seats, building on the fact that neither of us want to discuss the events of the past months, which is just fine by me. There isn't anything to discuss anyways. I have no desire to hold an in-depth, friendly conversation with a liar, or her desires to nominate me as High Priestess. Her plans have to surface eventually, even if I have to pry it out of her. If she wants the tension between us gone, she has to work for it. So, how do you know Winnie and her brother? I sigh, unable to escape Sam's curiosity. I didn't want her coming on this little excursion to begin with. (sighs) My mother knew their mother. I grew up visiting them each summer until I was about 13. I stopped myself from going any further as childhood memories creep into my mind. Memories of long summer days with itchy skin from rolling down green knolls, of long nights learning to cast with my mother and Annette, and memories of Al's gaunt face before all hell broke loose. My fingers tighten on the wheel as I push those particular memories back in the box they belong in, but like a dog with a bone, Sam smells a story. So why did you guys stop visiting? You know what? Static country isn't all that bad. I flip the radio dial back on, allowing the cab to fill with the twang of the south. Jade, you know you can't keep running from every problem. You need to start facing shit. Running? Who says I'm running? Sam gestures flippantly toward the road ahead, her green eyes flash with determination as I glance her way, taking in her coming argument. Isn't that what we're doing now? Come on, Jade, there has to be someone closer for them to call on. She's right on that part. There is a trove of other allied coven sisters and distant relatives to call, but they called me. I know they would have preferred anyone else... But Annette's last wishes, specifically, asked for me. Well, for my mother. But I suppose I would suffice. A twinge of lost lassos around my gut, threatening to squeeze the life out of me. But that particular grief is no stranger. I take a deep breath, breaking its hold on me. Be that as it may, Sam. I'm the closest thing to family these two have. It's only right I bear witness. <laughs> Call it what you want, but it's still running. And what exactly am I running from, Sam? You're really going to play the dense card? I say nothing, allowing Sam to drill holes in the side of my face. The shock of her actions trails uselessly on my coattails as I try to escape the implications of it. Yes, being nominated coven leader allows me enough access into the viper's den to find the true culprit of my mother's death. But did I truly want to tread those waters? In the light of day, the possibility seemed... reckless. I know what they are capable of, and I am not one to go back on my word, even if the words are to myself. They have your grandmother. They'll be fine. For now, but- Enough, Sam. The coven is not for discussion on this trip. I flip the radio back on, dividing the space between us. I'm remembering why I wasn't keen on allowing Sam on this little excursion in the first place. 
Although Sam is a good employee, there are drawbacks to having such a diligent worker, like them listening to voicemails and butting their noses in private affairs. But the more time Sam has away from her grandmother and aunt, the better. It's just one night. I can survive one night with a nosy teenager. I think. Sam reaches for the radio dial, and my eyes leave the road for a moment to glare daggers at her fingertips. She puts her hands up in a show of false surrender before placing them back on her lap. Jade, come on. It'll be good to talk about this stuff. Sort out how you actually feel instead of bottling it up? <laughs> okay, then. Why do you want me to be coven leader so bad, huh? It's not like you have some ulterior motive in nominating me, right? It's not like you spent months hiding your involvement with the same coven who killed my mother. And it definitely isn't like you lied to gain an employment in protection for some unnamed purpose, correct? If the roles were reversed, I'd do whatever it takes to coax the information out of Sam. But at this moment, I don't give a shit about her why. Later. Once Annette is sent off, Sam and I will have a nice long chat on the drive home about why she put me up for nomination. The radio twangs on within the cab, Sam's cheeks blazing scarlet under the rays of the afternoon sun. Not so nice when the tables are turned. Just drive. The farm we pull up to is a photo right out of my memory. A white farmhouse sits at the mouth of the circlet driveway, surrounded by rolling luscious greenery. Fields of wheat fan the borders of the farm, their tall, wispy fingers greeting us as I pass the gate. I expect to be greeted by a few of the coven's livestock. The rogue creatures always manage to be wherever you didn't want them to be. However, lazy, obedient cows are replaced with small, unlit fire pits, flower-ridden tables, and poles wrapped in colorful streamers. Soft music is already floating through the air amongst the chittering coven members, sending my stomach dipping. I definitely am not ready for a full-blown May Eve event. Sam vibrates in her seat, her eyes swiveling like a top as she takes in the celebratory preparations. Are we staying for the evening? Her happy demeanor warms its way under my skin. Beltane, or known to some as May Eve, marks the start of the summer as it's midway between the spring and summer equinox. It is the end of darkness, a time for the goddess and her god companion to bestow fertility to the land and her devotees. Fire is blazed through the night as revelry commences, a small ember reserved to carry into our hearts and into the next year. The joyous energy sits in the air already, like an expectant midwife waiting for a birth. We're staying for Annette's send-off and that's all. I didn't plan on making this an overnight affair. Oh, come on, Jade. We drove all the way out here. We might as well enjoy the festivities. I parked the car, ready to turn down her proposal when two figures emerged from the farmhouse. We'll talk about this later. We exit the car to meet Winnie and Al halfway to the farmhouse. Jade, you made it. Winnie is as tall and willowy as ever. Her towering frame eclipses both Sam and I as we close the distance. We clasp hands before she pulls me into an awkward hug, my tension regarding the situation a little higher as I embrace her hesitantly. It's good to see you, Winnie. I'm sorry my first return to the farm is under such sorrowful circumstances. I try empathy, because I am sorry for the reason I'm here, in failing to reach out when her mother first passed. However, the words come out more matter-of-fact. Yes, well, mother wouldn't have wanted anyone else here to witness her ascent into the afterlife. Aside from your mother, of course. If 
She was still with us. My chest squeezes at the mention of my mother and the fondness in Winnie's tone. I know her words are not meant to wound me, but the reminder of her loss still hits home. Sam pushes herself forward, sensing my unease. Hi, I'm Sam, Jade's employee and coven sister. Winnie's eyebrows shoot to her hairline before schooling her features and embracing Sam in a less awkward hug. Just student and employee. A rather irksome one at that. Don't be silly, Jade. She's still coming to terms with being elected as High Priestess. Nominated. There is a difference. Sam waves me off as Winnie turns to me, unable to hold her shock at bay. Are you talking about the sisters of Hecate? Rosalind's coven? Huh. A lot has changed since last we spoke, Jade. You know Mr. Giggles could still be here by sundown, right? Quit pushing. It's no longer Rosalind's coven, though I'm not about to say it's mine either. Just some recent events led to them considering me as a replacement, and I'm still trying to decide whether or not to kill them all, or slowly destroy them from the inside out. <laughs> some things never change, but I'm glad to see you taking a bigger role in the community again. We all turned to Al, and I nearly stumbled back from the radiant smile directed at me. Albert was my first crush as a wayward teen before I discovered other aspects of my tastes. Not much has changed about the boy I once thought I loved, except that he grew into the features too beautiful for his boyish face, and that he's speaking to me at all, after what happened the last time we were together. It's good to see you too, Albert. Albert? So formal, Jade. Especially for someone I once shared mud pits with. Al winks in my direction before turning to greet Sam. I don't miss the furrowed brow darkening Winnie's expression at her brother's jovial attitude toward me. A person doesn't easily forget or forgive someone for attempting to eat their soul. His last words bubble up from the dark corners of my mind, the image of his angular boyish face rushing to the forefront. Don't let her touch me! Don't let the demon touch me! Demon. <laughs> I've been called worse. But when it comes from the lips of the boy who you shared your first kiss with, it hurts. Hurts more than I'll ever admit even to myself. Sam catches my eye her chin dipping a fraction before allowing Winnie and I to sweep her into the open range with the other coven members. I trail behind them, centering myself for what's to come. A pile of shoes lay at the boundary of the field, and I gingerly removed my own before setting off to walk the perimeter of the event. The cool grass and thrum of the eve charged my soul in a way I hadn't realized I needed. After the chaos of the last few months, the calls from the stranger, the deaths of my lovers, I hadn't noticed how much I needed something like this. The thought of entertaining Sam's wishes to stay for the festivities warms its way into my heart as the energy from the earth and this magical eve tentatively unknit the tension that was built within me over the last months. I let the damn coven take away simple pleasures, pleasures that I had shared with them, pleasures of the earth and sky I had denied myself because of them. But they don't own the Ozark Mountains. Never again will I allow them to take from me. They have already taken too much. I make my way back to the group as the sun rolls behind the hills. The majority of the sacred meadow's coven is gathered around the pyre, a frail figure laying atop the rowan wood. Annette is as beautiful in death as she was in life. Her silver hair cascades down her shoulders in soft ripples, adorned with chrysanthemums and marigolds. Slender fingers that once helped me wrap my first sage bundles now rest solemnly on her stomach. A gold plate is posed between those knowledgeable fingertips, and atop the plate rests a single slice of black cake which I only assume to be the Beltane carline. It glistens against the fading sun, and a knot forms in my throat, my mind taking in its displayed purpose. Traditionally, a cake of cloves, cinnamon, 
ginger, nutmeg, cocoa, and amaretto is baked and passed around during the event. The unlucky soul who receives the blackened piece is then theatrically chased and ultimately captured. A show is made of preparing them to sacrifice. However, all that is sacrificed for the night are their words, as they are ceremoniously pronounced deceased in the name of our goddess, in the hope she will grant our season plentiful. I stare at Annette's prone form as tears well behind my eyes. She is the last gift to her beloved coven. Her love and strength a boon for the goddess to grant her people lasting wealth. A sacrifice for good fortune and fertility in the land. The need fire created from her sacrifice would also light the hearth of every member of the coven, allowing her warmth to seal her bond over them for the year. It is moving beyond words as I step numbly past the gathered sisters. A hush falls among them as I take my place at her feet, and Barbara, who is Annette's second-in-command, moves to her head. My eyes briefly lock with Sam as the coven's clasped hands in unison. A smile of comfort skims her lips, but I turn away from it as Winnie and Al take their place on each side of their mother. North, south, east, and west. Earth, air, fire, and water. A representative for each grounding point for all witches. Winnie raises her chin, the pillar of a strong figure taking the mantle from another strong individual. In that moment, I see a reality where I stand in her stead where I had the time she was afforded with her mother, with my own. A vessel for my mother to mold into a real leader, not the twisted one I may come to be. Of long nights seeking her counsel. Of coven events where I'm actually welcomed. I see the moment I introduce her to my polymates. Of her happy tears as she embraces each one and claims she's their mother now as well. I see the family dinners I was robbed of, and the life I was supposed to lead with her maternal guidance. I want to look away, but can't. I am possessed by the image of what I was robbed of. Years of love and nurture thrown out like unwanted scraps. The situation fuels my anger for a moment before I remember why I'm here. I allow a kernel of heat to nestle into my chest, my mind providing the slightest whisper of air to keep the flame alive. Fire for the potential sisters at home who took from me what they had no right to take. As my chin raises, my mind settles on the purpose waiting for me at home. Today marks the ascent of Sister Annette Teresa Clarkson to Hecate's side. Who among us bears witness to this journey? Tears filled with grief and anger I refuse to acknowledge stream down my cheeks. I bear witness to Sister Annette Teresa Clarkson's ascent. May Hecate's warm embrace bring peace to her soul. May her last sacrifice nourish this coven for as long as Hecate wills it. When he stoops to the lantern by her side, a single candle with a dim flame flickers as the pane is opened. Next to it sits a piece of roan wood, its tip bound and kindling. When he lights the torch, the fire illuminating her sorrow and loss. May the flame of generation of Needfire guide you to your everlasting home. What was will begin again. Mother of us all. Gather your daughter in your arms this May Eve. You who know the grief of loss, send your daughter's comfort. Mother and protector, stand by her side. You who know life and death, send us guidance in her stead. Mother, hear us. Hear our prayers. She lights the pyre as a soft breeze rustles through the clearing. A sign to the coven, if any that Hecate took their High Priestess home.
I watch as coven members dance and drink, the funeral twisting my stomach to the point that not even Al's Beltane wine could put it at ease. I hold the gold cup with its simmering liquid in my hand, swirling it absentmindedly as I take in the festival. Jade! <laughs> I turn to see Al and Sam approaching, gold cups in hand. Sam sways on her feet, giggling like a madwoman on her descent through hell. No. Oh, come on. You don't have to be such a sourpuss all the time, you know. <laughs> Indeed you don't. What happened to the reckless girl who used to dare me to lick toads? <laughs> the same thing that happened to the boy who tattled on me when his mother asked why his tongue was black. She made you lick toads? Jade, that's barbaric. It wasn't all that bad, was it, Jade? No, not all of it. Come on, let's show these ladies how real dancing is done. Al presents me his hand, his smile wide before he continues. We aren't kids anymore, Jade. Our past is just that, the past. Come, dance with me. Beltane is all about new beginnings. Isn't it time we started ours? His hand extends an inch more, my eyes lingering on it for a breath before I begrudgingly place my own in his. A sharp exhalation is pulled from my lips, but the wind swallows it whole as Al pulls me to follow him. While there is familiarity in the crush of his hand against mine, and a remorse so heavy it drags my soul against the grass of the field, something else counters those emotions. A quick taste of spring on sun-kissed skin and sharpened canines bleed into my mind, the disturbing sensation fleeting against my cheek so abruptly and forcefully my shield had no time to oppose its intrusion. It's merely a whisper causing me to almost think I imagined it. But I'm not that creative. Why hasn't Al remained angry with me? Regardless of our ties, he should have vehemently protested against my presence here. The situation would feel truer if he did. What are you hiding, Albert? Al pulls me through the throng of sisters to one of the small fire pits. With more grace than I ever saw him display as a boy, Al leaps over the fire. The introductory bow to this formal witch promenade Beltane's fire dance. Less formal than a Viennese waltz, but just as much structure as a Victorian polka, it is a dance honoring the goddess of spring and the stunning nature of she gifts. The dance involves short footing of the participant as they leap and twirl over the May Eve fire, working clockwise as they wipe the earth of last year's rot and bring in the newness of spring. Al smiles at me from across the flames as we both begin to sway, allowing the music to pour through us. The adult in me wants nothing to do with this. However, the adolescent teen in me preens at the sight of forgiveness so rarely given in any world, washing away my early negative predilections. What the hell? I need a little more fun in my life, as Sam says. We dance. Our bodies move through the cleansing fire of the eve, allowing its pungent floral energy to bathe over us. The scene around me blurs as all my focus is on Al, the boy of my childhood fantasies. I can only imagine the wheels in my aunt's mind turning if she were here, plotting for her chance for another Albright baby by our union. With my next leap over the fire, I spin, and my eyes land on Al in time to see it. There is no mistaking it. Blackened eyes and a pointed sneer greet me, my steps faltering. Drunk on the endorphin high of Al's attention, I'm distracted by what was right in front of me. What my gut whispered was there, but I've been a fool to ignore. Good thing that no matter how foolish I may be, I still listen to my gut. I don't think. I move. I've got to find Sam before dealing with the entity who wormed its way into the Sacred Meadows Coven. I find her not too far from the fire with Winnie, the two women giggling uncontrollably. Sam cradles something in her hand, 
but even with the various small fires around us, I can't quite make it out. Jade! Jade! Isn't this the most amazing night? Amazing for the wrong individual, yes. Oh, stop it already, sour puss puss. <laughs> <laughs> she is a puss puss now. <laughs> oh, when we were younger, she'd get a puss puss wrinkle right between her eyebrow anytime it, something didn't go her way. <gasps> oh, like that one right there. Oh my god, it's like permanently on her face now. And she never wants to do anything fun or show me any of her sucky, vampy magic. <laughs> Careful, or she'll suck the life right out of you, like she did with Albert. Jade is just a sucky puss puss. The women howl in laughter together at my expense. I glance around me, seeing the party for what it is. A hurting strategy. Witches laugh into the night, all drunker and more out of it than the woman next to them, each one with a gold cup in their hand. I whirl, finally seeing the object in Sam's grasp, a gold cup filled to the brim with what I guess is fairy wine, and plate piled high with black Beltane cake. Sam, don't! I slap the items from her waiting mouth as the night takes its final turn for the worst. Beltane is not just for the goddess's spring. Beltane is a night where worlds collide. Similar to Samhain, the bounds between our world and the other blur. However, unlike Samhain, those boundaries are completely erased between human and supernatural, allowing witches and fae to mingle once more. Like forbidden doorways, portals into fairy erupt within the field, allowing unseelie fae access to the drunk sisters. The unseelie fae, or the damned fae, are purveyors of all things hedonistic. Most people assume they are evil in nature, but they are the most neutral of the fae as well as accepting. They hold no ill will toward the non-fae communities and greedily accept all into their realm. And tonight, it looks like they are looking for more women to serve them, or breed. Liquid midnight wings spring into the air, as dagger-like ears and shark-tipped smiles send the festivities into utter chaos. Sisters are plucked from their shoes as they attempt to flee from the snatching hands of the unseelie males. Sisters scream and fight, spells casting out wildly as unbridled panic breezes through the night. Sam hops from foot to foot with childish glee as more fae men pour into our realm. Oh, look, Jade. More guests. Come on, let's dance with them. Sam, when we get home, we are going to have a long chat about the fae and the importance of never going into fairy with them. For now, it's time for me to finish what I started all those years ago. My eyes lock on Al. Or Al's changeling. The unseelie fae male smile maniacally as I move to confront him. As I grow closer, the changeling gives up his glamour. A gnarled hunched frame with depthless eyes takes me in with all the satisfaction of a fat house cat. Finally figured it out, witch. So easy it was to lure the poor broken soul to fairy with the promise of a new life. I must thank you for your role in breaking it for me. He was most useful in securing my place among the women folk. They will make perfect vessels for my brethren's brood. Why is it that males are the same no matter what species they belong to? We aren't vessels for you to make more ilk such as yourself. The time for every woman to desire being barefoot and pregnant has long passed. It does not matter what you desire. You will be ours until your usefulness has run out. The female lunges for me, but finds his feet cemented to the grass. Around me, sisters flee the field, manny with bloody gashes marring their skin and fabric torn from their once pristine attire. 
A few braver members lob offensive spells toward the men, while hurting others who are too scared to fight. Rage nearly consumes me as I witness far too many sisters retreat with tears streaming down their faces. Bruises and welts already bloom on their skin like weeds, a handful even showcasing greedy teeth marks on more sensitive areas. My magic flares, solidifying the fate of our would-be captors. Many find themselves tethered to the null, spittle and vile words leaking from their blackened lips as they claw at the earth in vain. If there is one thing I am, it is overly cautious about protection. When I noticed there was no circle of protection around the field on my perimeter walk, I took it upon myself to lay my own. Scattering various pieces of black tourmaline as I walked, I closed the field, allowing for sisters to pass freely within its bounds, but for anything harmful to be trapped in my snare. It has been a very long time since I've had the pleasure of tasting Fae. Fate is such a fickle thing, weaving your foolish asses into the coven on the night I return after years of being gone. I think I'm going to enjoy this much more than you are. The unseemly Fae impersonating Albert snarls, talons uprooting the ground beneath him in a futile attempt to escape what's to come. I unleash the ravenous power burning inside me and drink. The Fae in the field scream as I pull them in like a set of evil dominoes. The unsealing men collapse as I gluttonously fill myself with their essence to the point of bursting. Their cheeks hollow and skin shrink, leaving nothing but rags to hang from their bones as I take more and more. A vengeful cry erupted from a now very sober woman as her and her other sisters charged toward the howling unsealing men. Sisters hastily working together to toss the bones of the fae back into the portals which they came from. As much fun as actually licking fey bones before tossing them back into the other world sounds, I am already drowning in the taste of it. I had forgotten how good the fey tasted. Demons are otherworldly, but not of the fey world. Sweet wine laps over my tongue with the aftertaste of an open field on a quiet spring day. It tastes like swallowing a prism of light so good I may burst into a shower of glittery gold. I drink until I see stars and pluck them from the sky to warm my soul. My body hovers over the field as their power grants me wings that I am tempted to use to chase the stars. Yet slowly, I meet the ground, hiccuping with the small giggles as I allow the cool night to take me into its dark arms. No music. My head is about to split in two. I feel like I was punched by a rainbow and Tinkerbell won't stop buzzing in my head. I need to drown it out. Never a dull moment with you, just can we have some silence for a while? I don't have the energy to fight with you right now. But let me point out, you wanted an adventure, remember? Wanted to dance with the Fey folk and all that jazz. I can't believe you didn't want to storm off into the Fey realm to find Owl. For starters, I was a little preoccupied with the horde of unseelie wreaking havoc on the coven. Secondly, Winnie's more than capable of handling Faye when she knows what she's dealing with. But he was your first crush. How could you not want to go? I press further into the seat, my teeth slowly sawing on my bottom lip. A worm of doubt slithers through my mind, but it will have to get in line with all the others. Exactly. He was my first crush, buried in the past. Until, like everything else from my past, decided to bite me in the ass. Just get us home. I might have some hangover tea at the shop for us. Is that an olive branch I hear? <laughs> Just drive. Aye aye, boss. And I'm crazy for love.